Let's pray. Father, you are all we need. And there are times where we find really good things, things that are honestly good for us. And we try to lift that thing up to the level of all we need. And that's wrong. Would you forgive us for that when we make really good things ultimate things? When we make really good things that you've given us as gifts, when we make those ultimate things, would you forgive us? And Lord, one of those ultimate things that we could potentially, or those good things that we could potentially make to an ultimate thing is the ability to gather together. And we thank you that we are here together. It is so good to be together. But Lord, this is not the ultimate. The ultimate is you. And so Lord, as we open your word, would you work in us? Would you remove those things that are unholy, whether they're motives or actions or thoughts or deeds? And would you fill us with yourself, fill us with your Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So about 13 weeks ago, the governor gave an announcement that groups of a certain size shouldn't be gathering together. Uh, She made that announcement pretty late in the day on a Saturday, and the texting whirlwind between myself and some elders and various people at church, obviously including Pastor Austin with, with what he does with the worship team, commenced and we realized we, we shouldn't be meeting then. And then we developed worship at home. And it wasn't long uh, into worship at home, I think about five minutes into the recording, when uh, we realized, boy, we really just can't wait to be back together. We can't wait for this to be over. As much fun as it was staring at a camera with Connor behind it, um, this is way better. Uh, and, it is, and it is so good to be back together. Uh, I think the only one disappointed that we're doing this right now is my dog, uh, who has gotten really used to just uh, lounging with us on Sunday mornings as we did worship at home. Um, and, I, and I don't think even if we said it constantly, we would get tired, at least right now, of saying, oh, it's so great to be back together. Um, It is so great. But but with that, I I do want to ask, what is the point of being together? Um, I mean, you, you go on YouTube or your favorite podcast distribution uh, site, and you can find way better sermons than, than what it is you guys are about to endure. Um, and you can find like concert quality music with unbelievable musicians and lights and all kinds of stuff for all your favorite worship songs. You could curate your ideal worship service for yourself 
at any point in time, uh, at any Sunday, any day of the week, just with YouTube. You're the best sermons, the best music. And here we are together, and you guys came early today, and that, that threw me off a little. Um, but there's, there's something exciting about being together, and there's an inherent value in being together. There's, there's, Hebrews tells us, don't neglect meeting together, and there's a lot of reasons for that. And for the last 12 weeks, we've met together via worship at home, and it's felt fairly isolated, but we've known we were doing it together. And I just want to take a moment and, um, and just tell you that, that Kyle Paulson, Connor Neal, Pastor Austin, and John Bowman did a whole ton of work to make worship at home come together the way it did. And uh, they served us so well. Um, so thank you, men, for all you did. Um, It was that, that very first week when we were here, a few of us came on Sunday morning to just explain to anyone who showed up who didn't get the email that went out late Saturday, and we were, we were debating, okay, what do we do now? And our, our internet capability at the time was not uh, suitable for a live stream, and Pastor Austin said, I don't know that I want to just do that. I don't want people just to watch us in an empty sanctuary pretend we're having a worship service we could do something better. And so we, from that, uh, worship at home developed. They did a phenomenal job. But this is better. But is it only better because of this room? Is it only better because there's people around you that you're not related to? Is it, is it only better because this sound system is better than your phone speakers or, con- or computer speakers? Is it... Is it only better because you can hear other people singing instead of hearing only your family singing or, or awkwardly humming to each other while you watch the music, which I've heard some of you did. Uh, the Mullicans were a singing family. We went right after it. Um, I don't think that's what makes it better. It is special to sing together. Last, last Sunday night, we had the the prayer service in here, and, and it was only 20, 30 people, and just having that many people singing together was very special. It's really special from my perspective to look at your faces while I'm preaching and to have a room of people. But there's a much greater value to being together than sight and sound. There's a point of coming together that is much larger than feeling good by being in a group. The point of being together is to honor what God has done, to find our grounding in the ongoing work of Christ, and to utilize our unity for Christ-like growth and living. I'll say that again. The point of being together is to honor what God has done, to find our grounding in the ongoing work of Christ and to utilize our unity for Christ-like growth and living. Where do I get this? I get this from Ephesians 4. If you haven't done so yet, please open your Bibles to Ephesians 4. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. 
I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each of, you, each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does he mean but that he who descended to the lower regions of the earth he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave them apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain unity of faith and knowledge in the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The point of being together is that we honor what God has done. We recognize this unity. Paul starts out here, and this, is, this bears some similarity to Philippians 2, where we were about a month ago, and he says, I urge you, walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have received. He's writing this to a whole church. And I think one of the misnomers we can have in our faith is that a calling is something that only a few people receive and that that calling takes them either to a pulpit or a mission field or some other vocational ministry. All of us as believers have a calling that is a gospel calling and it's the same general calling for all of us and it's two words, follow Jesus. You have all, we have all been called to follow Jesus. Let's walk in a manner worthy of following Jesus. Not that we would say, oh, I follow Jesus, I go to church, and then live our life however it is that we feel we want to while ignoring who Jesus is, but that we walk knowing I represent Jesus. I am an ambassador of the Savior of the world. I'm going to walk in a worthiness of that. It's looking at Jesus' example and instruction and trying to walk the footsteps of Him as much as we're able to here in the city we live in. And he goes on to the character of worthiness with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love. This is the character of worthiness and it is, as Paul said in Philippians, the mind of Christ which is yours. Have this mind in yourselves which is yours in Christ. Though he was very nature God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing. That is 
that character, that gospel-worthy character, is essential to our unity. And worthy walking, what I want us to realize here is as we, as we recognize Ephesians is not a letter to a person, but a letter to a church, that this, this worthy walking that Paul is describing here, this, this character, this worthy character that Paul is describing here, this cannot be done as individual silos in the church. This is done together. It's by, by necessity, this cannot be done alone. If you're unified with yourself, it just means you don't have multiple personalities. That's all that means. If you're only unified with yourself, it means you're really hard to get along with. But we are, be, we are called to unity. To be unified with each other. And the greater the diversity within a group, the more powerful the testimony of that unity. And it is also the greater the diversity in a group, the more difficult it can be. But the reason that a testimony of unity is more powerful in a more broadly diverse group is because it means that what unifies them is more powerful. And it puts the emphasis on what unifies them. Paul tells us to be eager to maintain unity, the spirit of the bond of peace. And then he points to the source of this unity. Starting in verse 4, there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. The unity we have is in God. There's one body. This is your place of belonging that you have in God. We only have one place. We have one helper. We all have the same helper. We have more in common with each other because of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us than anything this world could offer as a unifying force. We have one hope, one eternity, one Savior. We have one Lord who's head over us. We are all getting our instructions. We are all getting our, the, the source of authority is the same over every single one of us. We have the same exact Jesus as the church down the road, as the church in Cambodia. We have the same Jesus and Lord as them. We have one faith, one sureness of a certainty of something we hope for and do not see yet. We have one baptism. We are all made new in Christ. And we have one ultimate security who's God and Father. We've all been adopted into the same family. That there is one Father of all. This is a soul-level unity that is deeper than anything the world has to offer. And it should and absolutely needs to cross every demographic boundary that the world could put up is we have one Father and God who is over all, through all, and in all. As you look at this list, you realize the unity. Paul is telling them to be unified together, and he's also telling them and telling us that our unity actually has nothing to do with each other. 
Our ability to be unified as a church has nothing to do with the members of the church. It has everything to do with God. Our unity is based on God. And where we get disunified is when in a group of believers, people stop looking to God their Father and start looking at themselves. Or start looking at other people. God's great, that guy's a mess. God's great, I need a little more status in this place. And when we take our eyes collectively off God our Father, what He's done for us, the saving work He's accomplished through His Son Jesus Christ, the family He's brought us into, the Spirit He's put in us, as we take our eyes off of that, that's where disunity comes. That's where pride comes. The way we walk humbly with each other, the way we bear with one another in love, is we are so focused on God that we can't think too highly of ourselves. We are so focused on God and His grace and forgiveness and what it's done for us that we are eager to extend that to others. There's a somewhat famous quote from Billy Graham about the church in Des Moines. Several years ago, Billy Graham said, I will never go to Des Moines again because the churches there can't work together. And that has been a long-standing reputation of the churches in Des Moines. And as we look back at the last three months and we think, well, what has God done? with COVID-19. God had to be doing something during this time. I want to let you know something God has started doing and is doing in Des Moines. Right away that first week, there was a, a massive Zoom call. I mean, that's everyone's favorite thing, right? Um, and it was churches, how can we come around the Food Bank of Iowa to help with food distribution? And the churches in Des Moines did such a good job that when offered help from the, from the National Guard. Uh, the director of the food bank said, we don't need that in Des Moines. The churches have it covered. Um, I don't know what the number is now, but about three weeks ago, it was over 105,000 pounds of food that have gone out through Project Zume, which is the cooperation with churches. So a bunch of churches from a lot of denominations, a lot of ethnic groups, Burmese, Hispanic, black, white, we're coming together on these Zoom calls with really just one question in mind. How do we love and care for the people of our city? And we started to get to know each other a little bit. And then a few weeks ago, when the protests and riots started, we started praying together. We started seeking racial reconciliation with one another. And God has been doing a unifying work among the pastors of this city. And I believe and I hope that that's going to extend into our churches, that the church in Des Moines will become more unified than it ever has been and bring glory to God across our city. So we honor what God has done by looking to God. And then we find our grounding in the ongoing work of Christ. 
Grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says that when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Paul here is quoting out of Psalms. And he's talking about Jesus. When Jesus when Jesus ascended into heaven, that he had a host of captives, that's us, we're the saved people, we're the captives he's led, and he's giving gifts to people. And there's a purpose for that, and he goes on to that purpose. He gave them apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. It is God's grace. This is the nature of the gifts, that they are given to us. It is measured God's grace. This is what Romans teaches us. 1 Corinthians 12 teaches us that the Holy Spirit gives us gifts by His wisdom, by His discernment, based on the needs of the church to, to build up. And so it's not that one gift is greater than another. It's that all the gifts work together in harmony to build up the body of Christ for the glory of Christ. He equips to care and to build. I think of uh, in Ezra and Nehemiah, I think it was in the book of Ezra, when the people were building the wall and they got really discouraged because they were getting heckled all the time. And so God sent them prophets to encourage them. He sent them Haggai and Zechariah to build them up and encourage them. God uses our unity He has given us to build us up to bear fruit. All of these come and build up the body until we attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Not just a, hey, we all believe in God, but saying, we all believe in the God of the universe, the maker of heavens and earth, who sent His Son to die for us. And it's a maturity, and it's a deep rootedness. So we're not just unified on a surface, but we're like an iceberg, where you see a little bit of the unity, but that unity goes much, much deeper and brings us stability. And this is the ongoing work of Christ, that Christ didn't just lead the captives, give them gifts, and say, well, let's see what happens. This should be really entertaining but he continually works in us, continually gives us grace. And it is by his grace that gifts are given. And it brings about this maturity of manhood so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, craftiness, deceitful schemes. Maturity is the goal. Building up to biblical maturity is the goal, that we be growing in our faith and our walk with Christ. The goal is not some warm, fuzzy feeling that gives tingles all over, gives you chills, you feel it like burning in your lungs. That's actually COVID. You don't want that. Maturity is this deep rootedness that you stand the storm when it comes, and it will come, and it will be followed by another and another and another. Paul is pushing us to use the body, to use the unity we have to bring about a deeper unity and maturity. Storms 
don't destroy strong trees. Storms expose weak trees. Here's what I mean by that. This week, we had uh, on Wednesday winds of 47 miles an hour gusting. Um, And I'm guessing you saw down trees. If you're like me, you got to cut one of them up. I had a tree that split, but there's another kind of down tree where, and I know you guys have seen this, it just snaps off at the bottom. It's like a giant came by with a golf club and broke the, broke the tee right off. And the reason that happens is because the roots are compromised. The roots aren't strong. The roots aren't connected. And it's just, the tree is just standing, waiting to get knocked over at that point. And Paul is saying here that God has given us each other. He's given us gifts of grace so that we can get deep roots together. So that when the storm comes, we don't get tossed around, we don't get knocked over, we don't get exposed as weak, but we stand the storm and we continue to grow and bear fruit. Storms are going to come to the Ephesian church. They will be bad but know what God's grace has given you. Know what Jesus is continuing to do in gifting you and building you up. We've had a little bit of a storm here. And I just want to let you know, church, you have elders who are praying, who are discerning men, who are seeking wisdom, and who are working really, really hard. And I want to see us as a church continue to not just be poured into by a few staff members or a few elders, but to be a church who pours into each other, who builds each other up through the grace God has given each of us. The leadership of this church is empowered by God's grace. And the time may come for you to step up into leadership. And you will not be qualified, but that's not the point, is for you to be qualified, for you to have a right resume, but for God's grace to work in you and through you. So the point of being together is to honor what God has done, to find our grounding in the ongoing work of Christ, and to utilize our unity for Christ-like growth and living. Rather, instead of giving in to these deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. There is an equity found in unity that affords us the ability to speak the truth in love. This is not something a podcast is capable of doing. I've benefited from podcasts. I continue to listen to the preaching of others. It certainly builds me. But there's no relationship there. I don't know how many Tim Keller sermons I've listened to You know who's never called me? Tim Keller. He doesn't even know me. He doesn't know I exist. Very ungrateful of him. (laughs) Paul is calling this church in their unity to know and be known. And this is the challenge of community, but it is also the fruit of community. Who do you have in church who can speak the truth to you about no matter what, about the most personal things. They can just come out and blatantly tell you, hey, that was wrong. This part of your life needs to change. And no matter what they tell you, you know it was done in love. 
because there's a relationship there. And who can you do that for? My fear is that a lot of us come to church and we think church, we make church about attendance, about showing up, about singing, listening to a sermon, taking a couple notes, joining in prayer, maybe going to ABF, and they're like, hey, I did church, that's great. And they never enter into relationship with one another to the point where they can lay out their feelings and this is, I'm, I'm speaking to the men here, that we can cry with one another, that we can confess sin with one another. I think the women are a lot better at these things than us men. We tend to be too guarded. No, I have it all together. Let me bring my toolbox and fix your problems. But just leave mine alone. We need to know each other and be known by each other. And if we don't have that, our growth is going to be stunted. We're not going to be able to grow to that mature manhood of Christ that we're called to grow to here in Ephesians. We need to know and be known. And there's a lot of guards that need to get let down with that. And I fear that too many of us either can't think of a brother or sister in Christ that's that for us, that has that kind of relationship, or the name we think of lives in a different area code. They're a ways off. And I want to encourage you and challenge you, find that person here. Be willing to be vulnerable. It's scary, and it's worth it. Spend meaningful time together. Sunday morning, sitting facing the same direction for an hour cannot be our only interaction with each other. Join one of these small groups Austin's talking about. Invest with each other. We need to grow in Christ's likeness. Grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint, with which it is equipped. He is our head and our source. We are walking in a manner worthy of the gospel that he's called us to. Knowing him with the help of each other and other believers is how we can be the most fruitful. Abiding in Christ is not purely a solo endeavor. Your solo spiritual disciplines certainly have a lot to do with it, but it is not purely a solo thing. We need each other. We need each other to help us to grow in Christ's likeness so we can more fully glorify Him, not just in song, but in actions, in care, in pursuit of justice, in care for the broken. And when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The point of being the body of Christ is not to just have good ethics, is not to be a morally right person, it's not to all vote for the same person or to have something to do with people who are like us. None of that is the point of coming together. The point is that through the varied gifts of grace that God has given us, through the salvation we have together to grow in Christ, 
so that together we can function as a unified body of Christ. The body of Christ is not sedentary. It is active. So that we can grow and love one another. And it comes down to two things. And here's the activity of Christ. The first thing is there are lost people who need to know Jesus. They don't know that there's a Savior who died for them and rose again. They don't know that every knee will bow in heaven on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. They don't know these things. And they need to know these things. They need to know there's a God in heaven who loves them so much he sent his son to die for their sins. The second thing that comes to the work of the body of Christ is there's a lot of believers who are not walking in fullness and maturity and, and need to. And even those of us who you think are mature need to grow and, and how we grow in large part is through each other. Yes, we pray and we read the Bible alone and we do that quietly with the Lord and He works in our hearts and As iron sharpens iron, so one brother sharpens another. And so with that thought in mind, I want to ask you two questions. Who are you helping walk with Christ? Who is helping you walk with Christ? Who are you helping walk with Christ? Who is helping you walk with Christ? These are the the pivotal questions of relational disciple-making. And maybe for a lot of us, it just comes down to how are we experiencing God's love and how are we extending it? How are you doing those two things? And if your answer for how you're experiencing God's love and how you're extending God's love does not involve other believers, you need to adjust that. If you are looking for someone to help you walk with Christ, please contact us in the office. We want to help you find that person. If you are looking for someone that you don't know, I just don't know who I can help walk with Christ, start praying that God would make that person obvious and then listen closely to the Spirit. And let's get to the point of being back together. Let's not just be back together for the sight and the sound of it, but let's be back together to grow in our maturity, to celebrate what God has done and is doing, and to grow in our Christ-likeness and as a body of Christ, grow in our maturity and in our breadth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you would call us, that you would make us your own that you would take us who are far off, who are hostile towards you in nature, and you would adopt us, giving us a spirit of adoption by which we can cry, Abba, Father. Lord, we thank you that all of us who call on the name of Jesus have the Holy Spirit in common, have our salvation in common, have our eternal home in common. Lord, let us use that for your glory and not our own comfort. May you be honored and may you draw people to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.